You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm going solo today. You can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail. No Doug Branson, but you can still find him and his thoughts on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. You can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Going to preview the Cleveland Cavaliers matchup tonight. Maybe spend a little bit of time sharing my thoughts on the Boston Celtics game. Want to update you guys on the all-star voting process, what guards currently have the most amount of votes because the Hornets might be interested in that given the rise of Devontae Graham this season. And I'll also be mentioning the death of David Stern passing away at 77 years old. I believe yesterday is when that happened. And Rick Bennell wrote a piece uh, he put in the Charlotte Observer about what David Stern not only meant to the NBA, but what he meant to keeping a franchise here in Charlotte when the Charlotte Hornets moved to New Orleans and became the New Orleans Hornets. So David Stern having an impact on creating an expansion team here in Charlotte once we lost the franchise the first time. So I want to go over that a little bit. First, I want to go over the votes, the fan votes. They were revealed for the first time. I believe they'll also be revealed on January 9th, January 16th, and so on and so forth. But we did get to see the voting process, the first round of it, if you will, the leaders in the clubhouse for the first time uh, for this upcoming All-Star game. And again, we might be interested as Charlotte Hornets fans unexpectedly unexpectedly heading into the season, but um, because of the rise of Devontae Graham and the season that he had been having for a long time, at least at the beginning of the season, what we had seen from Devontae was real consideration into him possibly becoming a reserve as a guard for the Eastern Conference All-Star team. Well, you look at the fan voting process so far. The top guards are Trey Young coming in at 440,000, Kyrie Irving right behind him by about 1,000 less, and Kemba Walker. Those are the top three vote-getters among guards in the Eastern Conference. You look at the top 10, it goes Derrick Rose 4, Zach Levine 5, Ben Simmons 6, Jalen Brown 7th, Kyle Lowry 8th, Bradley Beal, ninth, and Spencer Dinwiddie comes in to round out the top 10. So no Devontae Graham in here. Um, Usually you look at the fan voting process, and sometimes it can be a joke. A lot of times you see guys like Kyrie Irving, who hasn't played a whole lot this season. We saw this with Kobe Bryant. I believe it was his last season or one of the seasons he didn't play at all, and Kobe Bryant was still among the league leaders and among league vote-getters. Uh, among the fans so we know that this is a flawed process allowing the fans to vote it's fun I get it but hell that's how you get Taco Fall who comes in uh, as the sixth leading vote getter among front court players in the Eastern Conference Taco Fall he's played 11 minutes this season and Taco Fall has 110,000 votes so we know that this is an extremely flawed process and Alex Caruso is in the guard conversation in the Western Conference um but no Devontae Graham in the Eastern Conference. And you start to look over Devontae's last few games, and they've been really bad. I was really worried after that Brooklyn Nets game because he was getting so much attention. That Brooklyn Nets game that took place on December 11th, he played 37 minutes, went 12 of 21 from the field, had seven three-pointers out of the 12 that he took, nine of 11 from the free-throw line, scored 40 points, 
and eventually got the win against the Nets, 113-108. to I mean, that was the peak of Devontae Graham's season so far. Doug called it the 40-burger. People like seeing the 40 points. It's the narrative stat line. It's the narrative amount of points. Once you get 40 on the board, you're going to get a lot of attention. And up until that point, Devontae Graham was shooting over 41% from three, I believe, shooting extremely well, we all know, taking a million threes, but also hitting enough of them. And Devontae was getting real consideration. After that 40-point game, that's when he was getting attention from Kevin Pelton, from Bobby Marks, getting an article written about him in The Ringer. And since that game, again, on December 11th, we're coming up on (laughs) about a month ago that that game happened. Every single game since, Devontae Graham has shot less than 35%. And we've had nine games since that game that he played against the Nets. Bulls, Pacers, Kings, Cleveland, Utah, Boston, OKC, Memphis, Boston again. Nine games since that Brooklyn Nets game. And he has failed to shoot above 35% in either one of those last nine contests. And so I'm disappointed that Devontae Graham didn't get an Eastern Conference All-Star spot or not even in the top 10. But I I, I jumped the gun there by saying I'm disappointed he didn't get it. But, man, there's no way in hell he gets that now. The slump has just been too long. It's just how it happens. It reminds me of Kimba Walker. Anytime that we get some attention here in Charlotte, it's going to go straight down. It reminds me of Kimba scoring 60, he being the topic of conversation on Around the Horn and some of the afternoon debate shows about whether he could even win MVP, if that was even possible. We weren't even talking about him making an all-star game. We were talking about can that kind of guy on that kind of team win the most valuable player of the year award. And then December happened. And we documented it well here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast how much December Kimba had really struggled the last two seasons here in Charlotte. So he struggles, and that topic of conversation goes away altogether. No more articles written about Kimba Walker, at least surrounding his play that season. Devontae Graham, he gets all of the attention, and as soon as he's at the peak, nine games pass away, and Devontae Graham is a no-show scoring the ball. I mentioned this the last time I appeared. It wasn't um, yesterday, but I think it was Tuesday or maybe Monday that I did the show. I like the fact that he's still affecting the game by getting double-digit assists. You saw before this Boston Celtics game on December 31st, he had three games in a row where he had double-digit assists, 10, 13, and 10. So that's when you, that's why you like Devontae Graham, is Devontae Graham, if he's not scoring, at least he's trying to affect the game in different ways. Shots not falling for him, so he allows himself to pass it to others and try to get them involved a little bit more, even though they've resulted in losses. But it's just unfortunate that Devontae Graham doesn't have a chance in hell of getting this reserve spot anymore for the Eastern Conference All-Star team. Again, not getting in the top 10 among fan votes. And I find that a little interesting because I think we all kind of gravitated towards this story. It's an easy story to fall in love with. The second round pick, we all knew him in college basketball. If you watched college basketball at all, you're very familiar with Devontae Graham's work at Kansas. Very good basketball player. And when he was catching fire like that, that's an easy story to gravitate to if you're a fan. It's a story that I would imagine would get a lot of votes. You're not going to 
get more votes than a Bradley Beal, but hell, I'm a little surprised that Zach Levine got all the way to four. But Devontae Graham had that shot. We were talking about an outside shot of that happening, and it's a shame. I was, I was, I was afraid of this slump coming towards Devontae Graham, and sure enough, it's happened in a big way, man. He's really struggled to shoot the basketball. Doesn't mean that we have to fall out of love with Devontae Graham at all. I think he's still a very good player, but um, he needs to figure it out. And even Kimba Walker, after they play the game against the Boston Celtics, Kimba still says that he tries to catch as many Charlotte Hornets games as he can, knows these guys well. We remember Kimba in the Avengers, him hanging out with the young players last year but he still tries to watch as many games as he possibly can. And he says the struggling is, of course, a sign of more attention from opposing defenses. And then that's a that's respect, that that's a compliment. And so now it's all about Devontae making sure that he watches enough film and tries to correct these issues because he's going to continue to get a lot of attention. Hell, when Devontae Graham has been on this really bad nine-game streak he's been on, Hornets have only won two games, one against the Chicago Bulls where they scored 83 points and one game that they uh, scored 110 against the Kings on December 17th, and they've lost every other game that they've played in this nine-game skid that Avante Graham has had. Hopefully he can pick it, up, uh, pick it back up here soon, but I don't think that Devontae Graham is going to get a shot at playing in the All-Star game this season when I did think there was an outside shot. Um, when he was playing as well as he was. Are you the type of fan that knows basketball so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay if you like a couple of the big favorites this week. Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On, all one word, no spaces, to take advantage of this generous sign-up offer from mybookie. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Plenty more coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick Bennell is our guy. We love having Rick Bennell on our podcast every single Tuesday. And, man, he wrote an excellent article about David Stern and his impact on Charlotte getting another expansion team and even his dismay at how things unfolded when the Hornets, the first time around, actually left for New Orleans. So Rick Bennell opens up his most recent article by discussing a day in 2002 when NBA owners were voting on whether to grant permission to the Hornets to move to New Orleans. And he discusses Way Woolridge, who bought 35% 
uh, of the Charlotte Hornets at that time eventually would turn into uh, 35% of the New Orleans Hornets once they were granted permission to move to that city. But it opens up with Ray Woolridge and uh, (laughs) the, the beginning paragraph here just would make you way more angry as a Hornets fan. I we're already angry at George Shin. We're already angry at the Hornets moving that first time around. It's one of the darkest days in Charlotte sports history, losing that franchise that we all beloved so much. But it opens it up with uh, Ray Woolridge and George Shin. And it, Rick Bunnell mentions that the Charlotte Observer staff caught the Hornets, quote, systematically underreporting home attendance to make the team's situation look worse than it was all the way back in 2002. And they, we, we learned that, again, this is uh, still quoting Rick Bunnell, we learned that was done at the direction of Woolridge and wrote about it before the vote. Commissioner David Stern obliterated Woolridge in a conference room that day, unleashing a temper famous among anyone who worked for the league. And David Stern, we know that this is a guy that had a temper. We know that this is someone that would absolutely fight back and have a short fuse with you. I heard Bob Ryan earlier today on the Dan Levitard show discussing the legacy of David Stern. And what most people are mentioning is the globalization of the game, the fact that he made this an international game, the fact that along with the help of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, that the popularity rose to a level I'd never seen before with David Stern being the commissioner. And he took over in 19, I think in 1984 when he took over. And if you're familiar with some of the best draft classes of all time, the 84 draft class is among them. Akeem Olajuwon being the first pick, Michael Jordan being the third pick in that draft class. So you have Magic and LeBron, or excuse me, LeBron, Magic and Larry Bird at the peak of their powers. And you have Michael Jordan entering the league at that time. You have Hakeem Olajuwon, who was the leader of Phi Slamma Jamma coming into the league at that time. So David Stern was given a lot of weapons, but... What he did was he capitalized with those. He made the weapons the focal point. He made sure that this was a stars league and that they could try, they could drive the popularity of it. And Bob Ryan discussed how it just it seems simple at it seems simple now. It seems crazy in retrospect. Hell, why aren't we marketing the players as much as anything else? Why aren't we having these guys be the driving force of the popularity of the association? And David Stern, while it seems now, while it seems simple now, I, they weren't doing that at the time. And David Stern takes over, and he decides to put an exclamation point alongside all of the best players in the National Basketball Association. So David Stern, a lot of people were discussing that, but also Bob Ryan wanted to speak on some of the things about people were saying he was a bully, and, and people are speaking of David Stern in a very glowing way, but that the word bully had been kind of thrown around a little bit and he mentioned you know David Stern wasn't a bully he just knew what he wanted and because this is someone that graduated from Columbia with a law degree you know was a a guy that was self-made was the son of a deli owner in New York you know had to come up from the bottom and because of all they had been through he felt like he was the smartest guy in the room of any meeting that took place and that includes a lot of other billionaires that owned NBA franchises. And so think about how hard that job is for David Stern. David Stern having to get all of these billionaires who also had to make some pretty smart decisions themselves to make all that money, for David Stern to convince all of those guys to agree in the majority or at least come to some type of compromise, had to make all those guys agree in some way. 
the fact that he had the ability to make all of those owners, all of those types of personalities come together every once in a while, you know, that's really tough. And again, the globalization, the fact that the league is where it is today. So that's what David Stern did as far as the NBA as a whole. And as I went off on a tangent there, just discussing a little bit about the vague legacy of David Stern, just how it pertains to the Charlotte Hornets, as we were mentioning, you know, he went off on Ray Woolridge because of that report that they were underreporting the attendance purposefully to help aid their move to New Orleans. David Stern went at Ray Woolridge and Rick Bennell again. The first sentence of his uh, column here is, I will never forget the tear on Ray Woolridge's face. And David Stern had that kind of effect on people. And so after that happened, Rick writes, quote, an hour later, he announced the Hornets would be allowed to move to New Orleans, but the league would look to place an expansion team here in Charlotte. Then Charlotte Mayor Pat McCrory convinced Stern the city was prepared to replace Charlotte Coliseum to remain in the NBA. It just couldn't do business with Woolridge. And then Rick again says that was David protect his owner's investment, but also not destabilize a market that worked. Michael Jordan also released a statement when David Stern passed away. Now, Michael Jordan said, quote, without David Stern, the NBA would not be what it is today. He guided the league through turbulent times and grew the league into an international phenomenon, creating opportunities that few could have imagined before. Then he said, I wouldn't be where I am without him. I think that's true, even though Michael Jordan certainly helped David Stern quite a bit. And that's something Bob Ryan also mentioned in his Dan Levitard interview earlier today, that David Stern certainly was helped a lot by some of those pillars of basketball I talked about, by Magic Johnson, by Larry Bird, by Michael Jordan. Michael also acknowledges that he would not be where he is today without one David Stern. In a couple of moments, I just always will remember David Stern at the NBA draft. I believe it was the 2013 draft where he's telling everybody to raise the volume on their boos and that he said, I had to tell some of our international audience that booing is a sign of respect here in America. (laughs) I thought it was hilarious when he would just sit there and almost bask, almost taunt you while you were booing him. Just sit there and take it and infuriate more people in a way that only David Stern could do. Roger Goodell, I'm sure, can infuriate more people, but he didn't do it with the same kind of sass that David Stern did. And you almost uh, had a little bit of a respect level between the boos and David Stern, whereas Roger Goodell, it just seems like most people are booing him because they can't stand him, and Goodell does not want that to happen. Goodell certainly doesn't wish you to boo him. Two different personalities on that front. Uh, R.I.P. David Stern, a lot of good memories and a lot of good that he did for the game. We remember you as all fans of basketball. We'll talk a little bit more about the game tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Tonight's game takes place in Cleveland, and if you'll remember, this was a game that they played 
December 18th was the last time that the Hornets played the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Hornets lost 100 to 98. They were down big early on, and then eventually, because of the way Terry Rozier played, specifically in the fourth quarter, scoring a bajillion points, I believe you can directly quote me on that. He scored 35 in all. I believe a lot of that came within the fourth quarter, and he hit seven threes overall. Five of those came in the fourth quarter to bring them back, and eventually Terry Rozier would get open, be free at the top of the key, and Terry Rozier misses what we all hoped would be his eighth three-pointer, and eventually they would uh, lose by just a bucket. But that's how the game went last time. And if you'll remember also in the first half, the Hornets allowed an ungodly amount of points in the paint. It was, I believe, almost 50. It was certainly more than 40 that they allowed in the paint in the first half. And then in the second half, they started to settle down in that department. And the defensive effort, it picked up in the second half. Only 23 points in the third quarter for Cleveland and 24 in the fourth after allowing 29 in the first. Also, if you'll remember, Colin Sexton got going very early on, made a bunch of shots in a row to open up this contest, would finish 10 of 14 with 23 points. Kevin Love had 16 in this game. About Oseman having 18. Tristan Thompson had 14. So their starting lineup, all besides Darius Garland, who would only finish with 7-3 of 10 in the last matchup. The starting lineup really did play well against the Charlotte Hornets team. This was a game that also was in that nine-game uh, skid for Devontae Graham where he's been struggling. Devontae in this game, 3 of 16, 2 of 9 from three-point land, only had nine points. Uh, Terry, had, I said, had 35, but everybody struggled in this game. This was a big old stink bomb. Cody Zeller, 6 of 10, was 15, scored 15 points, 9 rebounds. He was fine. But then you look at Miles Bridges. This was one of the games that Miles didn't take all that many shots and P.J. Washington didn't play. We mentioned that uh, maybe a couple weeks ago when P.J. Washington first went out with that injury. Miles Bridges only taking a few field goal attempts here and there. Miles Bridges only played 21 minutes in this game. And that was unusual to see Miles, at least at that time. His minutes has started a bit, uh, started to get taken away a little bit. And now we're all kind of having the discussion on how we feel about Miles Bridges as we're at the one-and-a-half-year mark for Miles. Certainly too early to give up on him, but we're all kind of having that conversation, just basically assessing what we all think of him at this point in his career. This was a game, again, only 21 uh, minutes for Miles Bridges. Um, no trips to the free throw line, and that's something that's been a big problem for him. You go to the bench, Malik Monk, only two of four from the field, had five points, only played 12 minutes in this game. I believe this might have been a game that Malik Monk got hurt as well. Uh, MKG, this was when he was still playing some minutes, only five points for him. Cody Martin, uh, this is when he actually did start to get back in the rotation quite a bit, and he had five points playing 29 minutes in this contest. So, you look at this matchup, I would imagine the Hornets can't allow that many points in the paint once again. They have to get more consistent, balanced scoring from everyone. I'm interested to see how P.J. Washington plays after he did not play in this game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And also who P.J. Washington is going to get matched up against. Kevin Love, is that somebody that you want to put P.J. on? Um, you know, Kevin Love, not exactly the most athletic guy in the world, so maybe that would be a decent matchup for P.J. Washington. Not going to get... Uh, driven by a whole lot even a Tristan Thompson if he were to guard Tristan Thompson you know Thompson isn't the most offensively gifted player in the world and maybe you could bring both Thompson and Love outside with PJ Washington who by the way this month is shooting four and a half three-pointers per game three and a half on the season 
four and a half this month. I like that number going up. I think last, uh, maybe at the beginning of this week, I thought P.J. Washington should be taking more threes with the clip that he's hitting him at. Goes three of five in this game against the Boston Celtics. Uh, becoming a huge fan of P.J. Washington. So um, I, I hope that he continues to get more shots up beyond the arc as he continues to hit them at such a high clip. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Doug will be joining me, I think, again tomorrow to recap the Cleveland Cavaliers game.